0: It's hour two. Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider after work. Mitch Fortner. The Hall of Fame voice of the Wildcats. Wyatt Thompson. Travion Brooklyn. John Grove joining us in studio. Student at K State. Sophomore, right? Yes. Wildcat 91.9. Nine. Yep. Do you do a show?
1: Uh, so I'll, no, um, yeah, here we go. Uh, I'll do a show every Monday. Well, not tonight. Uh, and then uh, every show Friday at six o'clock. So
0: okay, there you, you doing any play by play?
1: Um, so I did play by play. Uh, well, I did color for the Florida game. Uh, why okay. you might know him, Colby Camp. Yeah, very uh, much so. Yep, yeah. Did play by play. I'm gonna do play by play for the Iowa State game as well. So
0: wonderful. I see that Colby kid on Twitter all the time. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. He lives on Twitter. <laughs> he has a lot of time on his plate.
2: Yeah. There you go.
0: Well, why we were actually talking about off the air um, about the Thursday press conference we had and it was with all new k-state football players I, I had an appointment i wasn't able to be there right um but you were i would love to know what the vibe of that place was like because i mean we're talking about i i, I don't really have the history to back this up like the the numbers or anything but it kind of feels like the
2: best class ever uh with k-state football yeah it, uh, at least it, for a long time you could argue that certainly just based on the ratings and and i loved it because It's the first real chance. I mean, I've heard Avery speak before and those kinds of things, but uh, not necessarily some of the other young people that were there. And I thought um, there was a really good cross-section of, now these are kids that are here for this semester and will take part in spring. Okay, so Avery, of course, was there. Um, We were hoping that Treshawn Ward, the Florida State transfer, would be there, but he did not make it. But that didn't really take any steam away from my perspective of getting to to visit with Keegan Johnson, the wide receiver. The Iowa transfer was there, as an example. Um, Looking at the the secondary, uh, Marquis Siegel, the North Dakota State young man, was there, really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, Andre Davis, the receiver from Blue Valley. um, Wes Fair (laughs) was there from Wichita. So it was a real nice... Um, setting and I, I guess what I would say is is I was just so impressed with how well spoken they were, uh, how they handled the situation for the first time. It, it was it was impressive. I, I guess when when you get right down to it, what I'm saying is is the kind of young people that K State is recruiting and getting to campus right now. I don't know how you could not be impressed. That was a really, really, really good looking young group. and, I,
0: and good football players. Go PowerCat email online. Everybody was uploading their videos afterwards oh, yeah. of like just, you know, the individual interviews, the media with the guys. You're right. Like everybody spoke very well. Wesley Fair was my favorite player. You know though.
2: who else was there that I left out was uh was uh, Rex Van Wy, the Wye, the yeah. uh the Iowa central linebacker. Good looking player too. So yeah, it was a really, really fun time, and I, I, I did laugh. I don't know whether he was joking or whether he wasn't. But when Avery walked in, um, they moved him to the center of the room, and everybody was gathering around him there. And he looked at Ryan and Kenny and said, "Is this a practice? Meaning, you know, learning to handle the media?"
0: These are live refs, man. <laughs> These are live bullets heading your way. And, and
2: it, I don't, I don't know if he was kidding, but. Uh, it, it didn't matter because he handled it regardless. Uh, but I, I thought that was kind of funny. It, he he kind of had a grin on his face about it, so maybe he's just joshing us. But yeah, he had a—he's he, really good. I was uh, impressed with the fact that he talked about. Oh gosh, what did he say? Five thousand calories a day, trying to put on some weight. Who does he think is the rock? <laughs> well, he's got a little ways to go. He's he's yeah. he's thinish, but. Uh, Boy, he is a good-looking player, and he can run. Obviously, everybody's you know seen some film on him. So uh, I can't wait for spring ball, man. It's, it's not that far away now. I wish I was a better athlete. I'd be more in
0: tune and ingrained in my lifestyle to eat right, work out. I'd right. be a lot better shape. Nope, I wasn't a good athlete. Well, I didn't work out that way. <laughs> I enjoy chicken, but it's mostly on with, uh, in between two pieces of bread with some right. mayo and some sure. other junk on it. Right. Um, and the rice, it just doesn't—it doesn't taste the same the next day. Really, these guys can do it. I don't know how. Uh, must be that good food of they have. Protein shakes too, buddy. Yeah, that yeah. good food they have up there at the uh, the the training table. Yep. Uh, all right, let's jump back to uh, to basketball and talk about the Cats coming off of pair losses. As a matter of fact, they've lost three straight in conference play. Last Tuesday to Kansas, ninety to seventy-eight, and now in Fieldhouse sold out. I mean, K State selling out buildings all over this country, including. Brambridge Coliseum on Saturday, but they fall to Texas 69-66 to a game. That was much lower scoring than I thought it would be. KC ran into foul trouble early with Keontae Johnson. But I guess the point I want to bring across right away here is we're now in a territory with Jerome Tang we haven't seen yet. We knew it would come at some point, right? Sure. And, you know, right in the middle of Big 12 play when you're starting to play teams for the second time. You know, it's not surprising to lose to a team the second chance to to compete against him in the double round robin. And also, this is right in the middle of, and actually right at the end now, of what I've called the the toughest stretch for K-State this season. And it started with the road trip to Iowa State. Cats lose by four. You beat Florida. I want to – you know, Florida just happened to be in there. Never did I think that K-State was going to lose to Florida. Even after doing the research for Mitch Palm, I realized, yeah, Florida's not that great. They're a bottom-tier Big 12 team at best, and K-State – took care of business but then you're in allen Fieldhouse. you're back at home against texas where you had an nba score at the end of the day uh, in texas to get revenge it didn't shock me didn't want it to happen it just it was kind of you know it, it it sucked the way it took place where you were doing so well in the first half second half you don't do so well but i think it's in my opinion you know the interesting part about this is just how the team responds and the team is fully aware that they were making mistakes, self-inflicted wounds. You know, Coach Tang broke it down on how these issues have been taking place. A lot of issues in the paint. Guys scoring in the paint, too many turnovers. But that's the thing yet. We haven't seen yet how a, a, a team coached by Jerome Tang respond after losing three straight in conference play.
2: Well, I want to hit on that, but I want to make this point. You talked about this stretch. K State has lost three straight conference games. So basically, three of the last four sandwiched somewhat close to the middle of, of that was the 64 50 win against Florida. Let's put it into its proper perspective first. After tomorrow night, K State will have played six ranked teams in their last eight games. Think about that one for a second. Six out of eight the league is really, really good. Not necessarily time to panic, right? But with all of that said, I think everybody walked away from Bramlage with kind of the air knocked out of their lungs Saturday because K-State played really terrific basketball for the most part in the first half and were probably outplayed and out-hustled in the second. And that's, that's downing, right? I mean, that, that's a downer. I think we all knew when Jerome Tang said and taking accountability, this one's on us. They outplayed us. They out-executed us. They out us. And he said, I'm not washing this one away. I, I want this one to hurt a little bit. It should. Um, and c- certainly paraphrasing there what he said, but you get the idea. That should not happen. And Texas is a heck of a good team. There's no doubt about that. But I think we saw when K-State's playing at pretty optimum level <laughs> they're pretty darn good, too. So let's see if they can get the ship righted a little bit here.
0: The big thing about this losing streak is things need to be cleaned up.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, you, the- can, you can point to a lot of things. And last hour, if you weren't with us, we talked a little bit from the Texas game. And you can go back, you know, maybe a couple of other games here. But K-State has had issues with defensive rebounding, with defense, with turnovers, in stretches where it just hasn't been quite like it was earlier. That's the great part about the way they really started. If you go back, you know, two or three or four games, <laughs> they were about as consistent as, as most anybody out there, right? Yeah, they they weren't great out of the gate with Florida, but made it up. That didn't happen Saturday. Texas was better. And I don't know if you want to just give a lot of credit to Texas, but put some of it on K State because they were out outplayed and out hustled a little bit. I think you you know, you know common sense would say it's it's probably a fifty fifty proposition. Texas did kind of want it more. You you could see it. I mean, you could just see it. They were the aggressor. They got to the rim. They got to the foul line. K State um, had too many turnovers. They got beat. Points in the paint really hurt them. We heard Coach Tang say that in his post game press conference and and uh and the radio postgame show too so hard loss easily
0: and many times on this show or on the game or whatever i i've many times said marquise noel i i truly believe he is the best player in this in this league for all he does for k-state it's not just points and rebounds it's assists it steals it's the turnovers he forces his defense And things have now changed of the way defenses focus on him. His five-eight player who likes to take the deep three. Let's put taller guys on him. Let's double team every now and then, and also more focus on Keontae Johnson. But also, you know, I I I truly feel like people don't think like it's the shoot like the shooting's not the issue. Even though he was over five from three against Texas, it's just too many turnovers. Marquise Noel was very vocal about that after the game. He said three different times. I made the mistakes, this is on me and I gotta be better. In in some fashion of that is what he said. And he's absolutely right. I I felt like the last couple of games, he hasn't been the best player in the conference. And he hasn't been as good as he can be. And some of it might be X's and O's, like, okay, now this is where coaching needs to step in. We gotta find some ways to figure out on how we can make him a little bit more
2: comfortable. That's gonna be tough to do. He's the point guard. Mm-hmm. And he's also a great he can be a great shooter. But we know he can play off the ball, too, so there are options there, okay? Uh, Desi's played a lot of minutes. I mean, he can, he can play some point guard. Uh, I think you have other guys that are bigger that can handle the ball a little bit, right? I mean, so there are options. But I think what we heard Marquis say in postgame was, and, and I really appreciated this because he said, I have to be better, uh, the decision-making, the passing I mean, Saturday he was 0 for five from three. We haven't seen games like that out of him, <clears throat> excuse me, this year. We we just haven't. But now people are starting to really get after him physically and force him away from the lane and those kind of things. So adjustments do have to be made. Yeah, it's I just, just part of Big 12 basketball. I just think it
0: it makes a world of difference if. It's just a little bit smarter basketball. Sure. A little bit smarter with the passing. Don't go for the home run play every single time. Down the floor. Like the long lobs down the floor trying to hit the home run after a big steal. Let's not do that so much anymore. Because more often than not, it's not going to work. Well, or it's just a risk they don't have to take because you, you may catch the ball, but you don't go to the hoop. It's just it not also, worth the risk.
2: It, yeah. And it depends certainly too on the opponent from time to time. Texas is a little bit tougher and TCU probably will be too because of their athletes. In that backcourt. I mean, you're going against Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter. Those cats are pretty good. Serge Barry Rice is pretty good. Okay? I mean, that's just true. And, and tomorrow night, I don't think it's going to, we don't know for sure, but I don't know that Mike Miles will play. But even without that, I mean, you're looking at Damian Ball and Emmanuel Miller and Rondell Walker and Shahade Wells, guys that are, they may not have the, you know, frontline names that others do, but they can play. So, it's a big game tomorrow night, man. There's no doubt about it.
0: Even though the, you can call them recent struggles, I mean, against Iowa State, was one shot away from maybe winning the game. Sure. Against Texas, one stop and maybe hitting a three. You never know. That could have been the difference of the game. Yeah. K-State, other than the KU game, has had a chance to win it down the stretch, and it just has been that close, yeah. but yet so far from winning it.
2: Well, and let's keep in mind, too, <laughs> when, when they started the, the year so well, every close game. Not most of them, but everyone, they won i mean they I mean, if you look at their schedule, they lost at Butler by twelve okay so their first, and and they lost at t c u eighty two sixty eight so their first real hard loss was at Iowa state mm-hmm. so they but they've also gone 4-0 in overtime games yeah
0: (laughs) that's it that's the catch it just hasn't games haven't gone to overtime so the cats can win it's a joke obviously but all right let's take a quick break Wyatt when we come back Gene Taylor the AD of the cats is up next Travion, who is this again? I know the song, but I can't remember who the the gals. The, the the Ronettes. That's yes. right. That's right. The Ronettes. The Ronettes, welcome us back to the game. Or uh, Wildcat Insider on KMAN. Mitch Fortner and uh, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Brooklyn knows on the board. And we are now joined by K-State's Athletics Director, Gene Taylor, who's had a pretty busy week. But, Gene, the whole basketball team has run into a little bit of a rough stretch, haven't haven't they?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, listen to you know obviously Coach Tang's post game press conference and you guys just replayed it uh, and you know basically said the same thing in the locker room that he was frustrated that uh, he you know normally he comes in like you said and, and like he said is pretty upbeat and wants him to flush it but he wanted him to chew on this one for a while because he he didn't like how that thing ended that's for sure.
2: Gene, does it amaze you at least even to a small degree that? The success has raised the bar as high as it has this year. I mean, I think if you'd have said to people they were going to be 18 and four through January, I think everybody in the on that wears purple would have been in that line.
3: Yeah, there's no question. And you know, we had a really nice weekend this weekend. We had our you know national leadership circle folks back. We cut the ribbon on the indoor, so we had a lot of you know people around you know both Friday night and Saturday and. You know, just the buzz about the basketball team and, and really this, the year overall with football. But right, what's going on now with basketball, um, you know, is, is something that people are just really excited about. And, yeah, we lost and everybody's disappointed. But to say that we expected to be, you know, 18-4 and four at this point in the season and, you know, having the season of the year, I don't know, the year that we're having has been been uh, just really fun to see happen and I'm really proud of Coach Tang and those, and those guys.
2: Let's kind of stay with the weekend for a moment because you had a really nice event on Friday night as you came back from Big 12 meetings and then a really, really busy day on Saturday with uh, Commissioner Brett Yormark here, uh, the game and what have you. Kind of just take us through the weekend and how you felt it went.
3: Well, I I was really pleased. And, you know, the Ahern Fund staff did a phenomenal job. It's, It's our annual National Leadership Circle event. We try to have you know, a couple of panels and just really educate our best donors about what, what goes on in the athletic department. And we had an NIL panel and we talked a little bit about name, image, and likeness. Uh, Matt Thomason and Coach True and some of the staff and, Sky, you know, uh, or, or some nutritionist folks really dived, they dove deep into some programs that they have been getting data on and, and the impact that 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 data had on our ability to practice better and perform better. And it was very, very interesting. And then obviously, you know, uh, Commissioner Yormark came in, did a really nice sit-down with you with some great questions. People were very impressed with, with the commissioner. And, you know, able to come and watch the first half of the game and just really loved the crowd and everything else. And so it was a great weekend. A lot of folks in town, like I said, and and ability to kind of learn a lot more about how we do things here. And, and they always appreciate that to know – where their donations are going and how their donations are being being managed.
2: One of the things that I would like to have you comment on here, because I had so many people talk to me about it after the fact on Friday night, was uh, when our long snapper, Randon Plattner, spoke to the people. Um, I think they saw <laughs> firsthand the type of young people that are in uh, K-State athletics and were hugely impressed. I- I'm prejudiced. I know you are too, but that was that was special.
3: Yeah, you know, Randon is a, is a unique guy in a lot of ways. Obviously, both his position is just, you know, obviously not a lot of people understand it. Um, he's a mechanical engineering major that's really an intelligent kid. He's, you know, he's got the mullet going and, and, and kind of his own brand. And just listening to him speak about how much K-State football, how much being in K-State athletics means to him as an individual. Obviously, he was able to earn a scholarship a couple of years ago. Um You know, that makes donors feel really, really proud about, you know, their program and how they're, you know, like I said, where their dollars are going to. And they get a chance to meet a young man like that and listen to his you know passion about our program really means a lot to them. And he did a heck of a job. He really did.
0: Gene, at Saturday's game, I think there was a lot of anticipation for Jacob Pullen to enter the building and take his seat. But also I kind of felt some as well for Brett Yormar just to take his seat and have him in Bramlage to – Experience the environment of Bramlage Coliseum. I'd like to know, like, did he give you any feedback or any uh, reaction to what it was like seeing a game in Bramwich live?
3: Yeah, I mean, I it's talked about the energy in the building, you know, and, and a lot of the things we do during the course of the game. You know, he's kind of a marketer, not kind of, he is a marketer, <laughs> you know, from the word get go. And he just felt really good about the energy and the things we do during the course of the game to keep the, you know, to keep the excitement up and. Um, and and just how loud it was. We were trying to have a conversation and we had to quit talking a couple of times, but uh, you know, he just, and the other thing he's been impressed with, and he, he was this way when he came back and when he first took the job, is the investment we have made in our facilities and our student-athletes in terms of the physical structures and and how well they're kept, and how nice they are. He said, "And it's it's really impressive." And you know, he's had that experience with with other Big Twelve programs, but he was able to see it
2: again up close and personal, and really I think he's been really impressed with that. Gene, as we kind of uh, kind of transition a little bit backwards here, let's go back to the Big Twelve meetings here a few days ago, and maybe your highlights from from that, because uh, we all read about the fact that. You know, the talks have kind of stalled a little bit with Texas-Oklahoma uh, trying to get out after 2024. Kind of just give us a sense of what those meetings were like. And I'm going to guess there will still be more talks, but you you tell us, what what are you, what are you thinking?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, Brett uh, was hopeful that we would have, you know, they would have had a deal done, um, and there's been a lot of discussion. And, you know, I think it's just a, the the complicated nature of uh, all the things that, that have to go into a a deal like that, both the TV partners, the SEC, us, you know, the two schools, and you know, when you, I think he said there was probably negotiation fatigue at one point, and they mm-hmm. probably just needed to take a step away and hopefully get back to it. And you know, I think they will at some point. I mean, and and it's not that anybody's being uncooperative. Um, you know, I think Texas and Oklahoma have been very cooperative, and both the conferences have. It's just that you get into these details of that are such mega deals, it gets it gets a little hard at the end. So. And i think it, I think it'll happen obviously we talked to, you know just a little a lot about of you know football scheduling and how that came across and and um we we had some you know we, we had some talks about you know where we are financially if if Oklahoma goes if Oklahoma stays and all those things, and just kind of preparing for some of those those scenarios um and then you know you do you have your normal conversations about you know schedules and and you know, processes and officiating and all that other stuff. So uh, it was good. I mean, it's always good to get together with everybody and and have, you know, some pretty good conversations. But uh, I think everybody's a little, you know, disappointed or just wishing we would have had a stronger answer on what's going to happen with Texas and Oklahoma.
0: Word also got out that of, you know, the Gonzaga topic came up during those meetings. And of course, that that news was already out prior to the meetings. And I'm sure you can't comment too far on potentially adding Gonzaga as a uh, basketball uh partner in the Big 12, uh but are you a fan of potentially adding Gonzaga to the Big 12?
3: Oh, I think there's a lot to that, really. Um you know and Brett kind of gave us an update on on just generally the the expansion and and what his point is is he's been so focused on the finishing up the TV deal cuz there's you know they're still trying to get the co- actual contract signed and, and then the Texas and Oklahoma he hasn't really spent any time you know focused on expansion I think uh, ever since that first story came out about Gonzaga. You know I think there's a lot to that. Uh we'd have to, you know, really think through what what they bring to the table from a you know from a either a Exposure standpoint or a revenue standpoint. Um, you know, I think if we were to take them, you know, is it is it a basketball only commitment or is it is it more than that? And and I think those are kind of conversations we didn't really get into, and we'd probably really need to get into fairly detailed before we, we you know even form a strong opinion on it. But you know, there's there's some. You know, he put that was put out there early in the summer, I think, or later this, or fall, some point, and so the rumors have been hot and heavy. But I don't think he's really had much conversation since then with anybody about it.
0: Speaking with Gene Taylor, athletics director of K State. I do want to jump back to Jacob Pullen for just a moment. I, I was there when he was back previously and it was asked about retiring his jersey. He's he specifically said that he wants Frank Martin back. He wants all these former players that he played with back. He wants everybody back for that ceremony. A lot of things have to go into uh, you know, of course, organizing that and you know, Frank Martin's with UMass, but was there any further conversations about that with Jacob Pullen?
3: Yeah, we really had a good conversation. I had about an hour with Jacob. Uh, his brother was there with him, as me and Josh uh, McCowan. Josh is obviously a manager uh, with with Jacob, and so I'd, I'd never had a chance to really sit down with him. And I told him, I said, Jacob, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, your jersey deserves to be in the rafters. Um, it'll happen. It's just we know you're still playing, and we know you you know want to do it. The right way with family and friends, and so when you're ready to hang it up, let us know, and we'll start working on the on the opportunity but it, we want it to be during basketball season that's just the best, obviously that's when you do it and he was very appreciative of it, I think he appreciated the fact that you know we had able to have that conversation and then of course we we did spend some time he was telling some great Frank Martin stories, which I hadn't heard I've heard a lot, but I haven't heard some from him, so yeah, I mean a lot of those things go into play, but uh I told him it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when, and it's up to him when he lets us know he's ready to ready to hang it up, and we'll be happy to work with him.
2: Well, we'll close by asking you about the twenty three Kansas State football schedule. I really liked it: seven home games, five conference home games. Um, what, what'd you think?
3: Yeah, I liked it. I mean, obviously, we got a couple of newbies with with Houston and Cincinnati, and. Uh, we knew we weren't going to play both Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, we were going to play one or the other, and and, and certainly, obviously, we've got the, we're kind of back to the Iowa State on Thanksgiving uh, deal again. So, yeah, no, it was it was good. I, I think there was a lot of excitement about it. I, I loved the way we uh, announced it with some of the animated stuff. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It was. Um, so no, I think there's some excitement, and I think it's been the case across the, all the schools. I don't I don't think anybody. Was disappointed or had any issues with their schedule, so that's a good thing.
0: Was there any pushback playing a game on Friday?
3: No, not really. I mean, obviously, you know, I think it comes after a bye week, and then we, you know, have we don't play again until the following Saturday. So I think from a timing perspective, obviously, it's not our home game; it's at Oklahoma mm-hmm. State. So I don't know how they feel about that, but um, I think I think Coach climbing is pretty good with everything.
0: Yeah, I'd say maybe if it was here, there'd be a bunch different story yeah, for sure. But yeah. uh, all right, Gene, really appreciate your time once again. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
3: All right, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, and talk to you later.
0: You got it. Thanks, bud. That's Case Athletics Retro Gene Taylor here on Wildcat Insider. Always solid.
2: Busy, busy, busy yeah,
0: weekend.
3: I bet. Yeah, it
2: yeah. was. It was really great having the commissioner here, and I will say this: I very much enjoyed my time with him with that that interview, uh, and we did open it up you know, to the entire group for questions for the last know, probably 12, 15 minutes. I, I think he could have gone on for quite some time. Uh, I think the people were very interested in, in what he had to say. Um, he's very much, as Gene talked about, a marketing kind of guy and, and promoting um, Big 12. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what – I almost want to carve it up into what the next year – And what the next five and everything in between is going to look like. Because we are, I mean, let's be honest. We're in for a lot of change. There's no doubt about that. With the four new teams coming at some point, either after next year or the year after that, Texas and Oklahoma leaving. There's a lot of things out there, you know, about expansion. Many people are of the belief that he wants to have at least a team and maybe two in the Western time zone, like Pacific time zone. So because if you do that, you know, you're going to have you're going to have teams in every time zone. I didn't think I'd live long enough to see that in major college athletics, <laughs> <No>. but <laughs> I may see it. <laughs> it's crazy. Maybe in a way
0: it kind of makes you happy you you you're with a team that's right in the direct center of the United States and yeah. it's kind of equal You'd go out if you go out Gonzaga's out at Spokane or Orlando or whatever. Long trips. Sure. But it's better than going from Spokane to but I Orlando. Just, I
2: just have this thought, though. I mean, there's still some of me that says, are we really going to play a basketball game in Spokane if you're from Morgantown on a Wednesday night yeah. and fly back and expect those kids to go to go to school the next day? That's where travel partners come into play. I would. Well, there's one that could yeah. break it up a little bit, too. I mean, I, I re- yeah, you know, we – would it be out of the realm of possibility if you get big enough to where maybe you play a Thursday-Saturday basketball swing, mm-hmm. as an example? I've seen that done in other leagues. So who knows? But with, with that, with NIL, transfer portal, so, so, so many. Uh, the, a new leader in the NCAA. We talked about that, too. I know we probably better get to a break. But, man, it was fun having him you know, talk about a lot of those subjects.
0: What'd you call that group again? That,
2: that? Uh, national leadership circle. Okay, yeah. and that's
0: the top K State donors, high, high,
2: highest level donors. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and and um, Gene there mentioned Josh McCown, who's yeah. uh, basically works in our department, play center guy. Yeah, and people forget that he you know uh, was a basketball manager at one point, mm-hmm. and so he you know he he probably had a really great time. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even get to say hi to Jake, and I felt awful about that because he. It was great seeing him. He looked great. Got a really nice ovation. Um, and so did Mr. Yormark, for that matter. Um, but it, it was a – I mean, other than the result of the game Saturday, it was a pretty darn good weekend overall.
0: i got to be honest with you. When you said that that group was of the top K-State donors, my first thought was – I don't know if this is a good sign. Probably not that big of a deal. But my first thought was – my first question was, I wonder what the cheapest bottle of liquor at that party is.
2: <laughs> yeah. Bottle yeah. of crown? I don't know. I don't know. You're, you're, you're above my pay grade there, buddy. I'm, I'm clueless.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll never be invited. When we come back, uh, let's see. Where's my outline? Now? Oh, we're going to. Oh, big, big topic here. Oh, yeah. Because it's about the opponent that comes in tomorrow night. Horn Frogs will preview TCU next. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berklin, John Grove, all with you, Wildcat Insider. TCU is the next opponent. The Cats, eighteen and five, six and four in Big Twelve play. Uh, meanwhile, the Horned Frogs, same record, by the way, in Big Twelve play, six and four. I think they're a game worse though. The- Seventeen and six. Seventeen and six. Yep. Um, so, I mean, really. My first thoughts go back to the first game, but really what we need to cover first is actually probably the big storyline for TCU heading into this game. Good chance Mike Miles unavailable.
2: Yeah, pretty good chance. We don't know for sure, so don't be stunned if you come tomorrow night and he's there. But initially when he got hurt, they were saying, don't know for sure, but it could be three to five games. It could be four to six games. It could it could be a while because he had a pretty – Interesting hyperextension of the knee. He played four minutes against Mississippi State, and that's the game he hurt it in. That was the Big 12 SEC Challenge game. And since then, he's missed the West Virginia and Oklahoma State game. So you would think that, you know, maybe not quite ready to come back yet. The other factor there, too, is Eddie Lampkin, their starting center, who's a 6'11 sophomore. This is a, this is a guy that did not play against Oklahoma State. And when you look at – he's basically missed three of the last four. The, the one he played in, though, against West Virginia, he played only eight minutes. Mm-hmm. High ankle sprain. So both of those injuries have really you know, hurt them. <laughs> it, it, it's tough when you're playing without two starters. But with that said, they were down early in the game Saturday in Stillwater by a good margin, and they were behind 43-29 at half. Got back to within, I think, as close as they got was four. And I, I've said this before. They have a deep and experienced team. And to give you an example, Jacoby Coles, 15 points in that game. They started Shahade Wells. He had 14 points. Um, Micah Peavy had a couple of points. So they, they're... they're uh, they're still pretty good without those two guys, but they're really, really solid with with those two. So I, Mike was the preseason player of the year, you know that in the Big 12. So that's a that's a major, major loss. I I've I've never watched TCU in the last uh, about the last week or two. So Mike Apv is back. He is back. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's he's now played in 18 games, so he he's kind of worked his way back. He's I think he's averaging about 21 minutes a game now, which which is quite a little bit of jump from from probably early. Um, seven and a half points a game. So, yeah, they, they've got some pieces. They've got Rondell Walker too, who was at Oklahoma State a year ago. Um, so, like everybody in this league, they've been pretty close to 500 on the road and very, very solid at home. They're 11 and two at home. Beat K State down there, 82-68, pretty convincing win for them there. So, this this should be an interesting game. And I've said this before: whether they have Miles or Lambkin, regardless away from that, I really think they have two pieces that I think are really undervalued in our league by a lot of a lot of like media type guys. I'm a big fan of Damian Ball. Um, he can play multiple positions. He's a 13 point a game scorer in the Big 12, and then Emmanuel Miller, who's six seven, been around a while. He's another know, stat sheet filler kind of guy. He had 17 points, four rebounds, two assists, made seven of 13 shots as an example in 35 minutes in Stillwater. Both of those guys are real solid players.
0: Going back to that first meeting between K State and, and TCU and Fort Worth, this was K State's uh, first loss in Big 12 play, wasn't it? Yes. Because it, yes. it ended the winning streak. Yeah. Uh, and the Cats lost 82-68, like you mentioned. Uh, their fast break. Gave me nightmares, and I knew this would be a, a factor for sure because they were by far the best team in the country in fast-break points. Yeah. But they gave K-State's offense probably nightmares because they were so good defensively, and then they maybe even better turning that defense into offense because they finished that game with 32 fast-break points. Not to mention, TCU in the game was only 3 of 19 from 3.
2: Well, think about this, and I've described Mike Miles like this before. He's a, he's a breakaway train. I mean, we're talking about 6'2", 195, and who's going to jump in front of him on the fast break? Not, not many. Here's his line from the K-State game down there. Ready? 13 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists killed K-State in transition. They got tons of points in transition. I wonder how many of those assists were to Emmanuel Miller. Several. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Emmanuel Miller had 23, 8, and 4 assists. (laughs) So, yeah, they got to get him to slow down a little bit.
0: Yeah, Mike Miles, not having him is obviously – that's big. I mean, you're talking about the preseason player of the year and scored 13 in the first meeting, but you're right. There's so many good – that starting lineup for TCU is very good. And they do have some off nights, but when they're on – yeah. They're on, and, and probably one of the toughest teams to beat. What you
2: have to hope is, is that, and it's not a real, real good three point shooting team. They're like 29.1% from three. You have to hope you can get them slowed down some and, and hopefully you know, make them beat you in, in the half court. Um, way easier said than done. Solomon Dumbia. Did I say that right? Solomon? Solomon. Solomon Dumbia. Okay.
0: Yeah. Thought I remembered the Dumbia. You're Doombia. practicing for tomorrow night already, not For sure. a boy. Well, you're here. You know. I might as well just ask you. <laughs> Don't have to worry
2: about finding an SID. That's right. Well, they have a good one, though. He'll help you. But it is Suleiman Dumbia. Shahada? Wells? Uh, it's, that's up for debate. I'm going to ask the guys about that <laughs> because everybody in the league, including me, have, have said Shahada. And I think my buddy Estridge calls him Shahada. So I'm gonna ask okay. I'm gonna ask B when I see him tonight. We'll tip off
0: tomorrow night, eight o'clock pregame seven, of course, with Wyatt Thompson on the call. Pregame will be on our sister station 1015 one five because we'll have high school hoops Manhattan at Topeka. There you go. On air, and then we'll join in progress after that's wrapped up. But when we come back, we gotta ask uh, we gotta ask Wyatt the big question who's gonna win the big game?
2: Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: Next on Wildcat Insider. All right, Wyatt, we got to know, who you taking Sunday? You taking the AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs, or the NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles?
2: Well, I think probably most people are going to know how I'm going to go on this, but I will say this. I have a lot of respect for Philadelphia and what they've accomplished. They scare me a little bit at the line of scrimmage with their ability to rush the quarterback. I think the key to this game is keeping Mr. Mahomes somewhat clean. It isn't going to be perfect you hope a couple of weeks in between games helps on that high ankle sprain but when push comes to shove I think you have to say he's the one guy on the field that can be the absolute difference maker right I mean he just can Um, so I I favor Kansas City but I do think it'll be a hard close game you Uh, you know
0: you're hesitating Philadelphia has the best defense in the NFL yeah they do I remember last Super Bowl the Chiefs played in, you know, that offensive line wasn't looking too good.
2: It scares me, too, with Hurts' ability to run if he's healthy. But I don't know that they'll expose him that much with that shoulder issue that he's had.
0: Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, you know, how good will the passing
2: be? Right. How good will his passing be? He's pretty good and underrated if they keep him clean. If if you get in his face, like everybody, right? You can say that about everyone. But he's a better thrower than I think is – than perception is
0: i think it's going to be an amazing game i do too i do lean slightly the eagles really i do wow that's an unbiased opinion
2: but but you're a cowboys fan though
0: that's That's the the thing that's it i'm rooting for kansas city sure i want kansas city to stomp a mud hole in (laughs) in the eagles and i want travis kelsey to be the best kelsey on the field but to break the tie, I think we need to go to John. John will break it down for us. Who's going to win Super Bowl?
1: I, I mean, you're right. That Philadelphia defense terrifies me at the, at the same time. I think another factor is um, the mobility. I mean, well, really the wide receiver core for Kansas City and as well as Travis Kelsey. If, he, if Mahomes is able to remain healthy or at least just play with one leg because he just played really well with it for <laughs> some reason, I didn't, I didn't understand. I can go with seeing Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl. I just can't see Mahomes winning a Super Bowl. I mean, I'm I'm a biased pick here. I'm, I gotta go with the Eagles. Who's your team? My Broncos. Oh, there yep. you go. Yep. There you go. Yep.
2: It should. I, I'm with you though on the on the point that you made that that Philadelphia is really good. Um, it bothers me and worries me from the Chiefs' perspective how good they are at the line of scrimmage because you know the old coach's cliche. Games are won at the line of scrimmage. I think the Chiefs' defense is playing its best right at the moment, or at least coming off. They beat a dang good team in Cincinnati now.
0: Yeah, they did. They did. Well, that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. I want to thank John for joining us, sitting in with us, and also chiming in on the Super Fun Bowl. Button. Travion Berkeley running the show. Wyatt? Of course, it's always a pleasure. Absolutely, sir. Enjoyed it. And we'll see you tomorrow night in Bramwich Coliseum. You got it. 7 o'clock uh, pregame, 8 o'clock tip. You can hear it all on 1015 K Rock. We'll join in progress after hoops here on K Man. For Trey, John, Wyatt, I'm Mitch. Go, cats.